in Jesus' parables of the kingdom. Last time I was in this pulpit, I shared number seven in the series, the parable of the field of treasure. Just to refresh your memory, it was the man that stumbled upon a field and found a great treasure, went and sold all that he had, bought the field so that he might have the treasure. The next parable that I'm going to preach on this morning is a twin parable to the parable of the treasure in the field. And it's called the parable of the pearl of great price. Everyone say, the pearl, the pearl. of great price. price. Say this with me this morning. May I, May I take, hold take hold of the pearl, of, the pearl. Of, great of great price. That's right. I pray that you do. Matthew 13, 45 and 46, Jesus said again. So he's tying this to what he just finished saying about the treasure in the field. He's, in a way, letting you know that he's going to repeat some ideas that came from that parable. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. These twin parables, the field and the pearl, have some similarities. I'd like to share two of those similarities with you this morning. Number one, you can possess the kingdom of God. Think about that. Just let it sink in for a moment. You may actually own, possess the kingdom. In Luke chapter 12, verse 32, Jesus said, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom the power and the privilege of the lordship of Jesus over Satan is available to men. When we think about the kingdom of God, we want to distill it down to that part of the kingdom which he gives to us. And essentially, it is his lordship over the enemy. The kingdom of God is the privilege of Jesus who is Lord of all, and His power manifests through His will. And He is willing to hand that to you and I to operate in that authority and that power, that privilege over Satan. Somebody say praise the Lord. I mean, if you think about the world and what's wrong, if you think about everything that goes wrong in your life, when you trace every trial, every problem down, what do you find at the end of it? You find the devil. You find Satan operating, whether he is luring people like yourself or others into temptation, whether he's throwing stumbling blocks before you or bringing bondage on you, the enemy's at the root of all of it. He was at the root of Adam's sin, Eve's temptation, and he's been at the root of everything. Jesus said the night he was betrayed and crucified, the prince of this world comes. And he has found nothing in me. Everything comes down to a conflict between the kingdom of darkness and its devil and the kingdom of God. And Jesus said, it is my Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Think about it. Only a few people in this world have ever owned the power of its kingdoms. But Jesus has extended to you and I the privilege of the greatest value in the universe. 
to have the kingdom of God, not just to be a citizen. You possess the kingdom of God in a much greater way than you possess citizenship in the United States of America. As wonderful as American citizenship is with its privileges, you don't own this country. It's not your possession. Its dominion and power is not yours to use. As I said, there have only been a few in this history of 6,000 years of humans organizing on the face of the earth that have ever possessed its kingdoms. But Jesus rose up and heaven's gates opened after he resurrected, welcomed him in and a great shout said, Now is come salvation and the kingdom of our God. When Jesus rose from the dead, the kingdom was handed to him. And he said to you and I, It is my Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So I think about that when I think of the fact that uh, we can find the pearl of great price. We can sell all. We can possess it. We can have it. Hallelujah. We don't just become children of God. We possess the kingdom. In Luke 9 and 1, it says, Then he called his twelve disciples together and gave them power and authority over all devils, and to cure diseases. Gave them power over the devil. Hallelujah. John chapter 14, Jesus said in verse 12, Truly I say to you, he that believes on me, the works that I do shall he do also. And greater than these shall he do. Why? Because I ascend to my Father. Why was that significant? Because when I ascend, I will gain the kingdom. When I get the kingdom, Jesus said, you get the kingdom. When I possess the kingdom, you may possess the kingdom. You are a joint heir with Jesus, an heir of God through him. Jesus referred to his authority over the devil as the kingdom of God. I want you to understand that when he says you may have the kingdom, he is saying you may have absolute dominion over Satan and over devils and over all of his works. There's a reason why this pearl is called the priceless pearl. Why you ought to sell everything to have it. Why all the cumulative wealth and acquisition and power and authority and privilege in this world is not worthy to be compared with the authority you have through Jesus over the devil and his broken world. If you have that authority and walk in the kingdom of God, you have more in this life than any emperor has ever possessed. Jesus called his authority over the devil the kingdom of God. Listen carefully. In Matthew 12 and 28, Jesus said, But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is come unto you. Jesus said, When you see me cast out devils, you are seeing the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Somebody praise the Lord. Because Jesus said in the parable of the pearl of great price. He said it's like a merchant who is a pearl merchant traveling the seas of the world, hunting for pearls. He comes upon that one pearl of great price that's above all others, and he sells everything and buys that one pearl 
It's worth more than everything else. He says, hear the parable of the kingdom. That pearl of great Christ is the kingdom of God. The second thing that's similar with the previous parable about the man who purchases the field in which he found the treasure and this parable about the man who is the pearl merchant who finds the pearl of great price and purchases it is this simple truth that ties both of them together. Possessing the kingdom of God costs you every possession. Jesus said in both cases, they sold all that they had to buy the field, and they sold all that they had to possess that pearl. The currency in the kingdom of God is obedient faith, not money, not even Christian good works. So it's not the selling, literally, of your possessions that Jesus is talking about. Nor is it uh, the going out and creating good works. But it is the surrendering all to the Lordship of Jesus Christ that buys the pearl of great price. And for that, the Bible says, the pearl merchant sold everything. In other words, when he found Jesus... As in the previous parable, he didn't just try to take the, the treasure of Jesus out of the field. He sold everything and relocated to be with Jesus. In this parable, the merchant stops his searching. He sells, sells everything. His whole business and life changes. He's now not a seeker of pearls. He is a possessor, hallelujah, a possessor of the pearl of great price. He's set for life. Somebody say, praise the Lord. Glory to God. It costs you everything. Now, I want you to hear what I'm about to say to you next, and I want you to think about it in your own life. Only the possessions of born-again people are negotiable in the kingdom of God. Unsaved people cannot sell all and buy the pearl of great price. Jesus said you must be born again. This parable is for born again people. Worldly people, sinners, unsaved people cannot just go and liquidate everything, sell all, and decide to live holy or do good works or go to Bible school or follow Jesus. None of those things will make you a child of God. You must be born again. The possessions and only, the possessions only of born again people have any significance in the kingdom of God. The Lord doesn't care one bit about the possessions of unsaved people. The abundance of them or the lack of them mean absolutely nothing. They have no value or no worth. But your possessions as a redeemed man or woman are sacred unto the Lord. Whatever you possess, whether it is much or whether it is little, regardless of its earthly value, it has great potential in the kingdom of God. Why? Because you can trade it in for the kingdom. I don't care if we're talking about a quilt collection, stemware, a bicycle, a bank account with a million dollars, whatever guitar or 20 guitars. 
Thank you. I think about that all the time. But whatever it is you and I have, it's because you are redeemed. It's because Jesus owns your life and you have been bought with the blood of the Lamb. Your possessions are powerful in the kingdom of God because what they can procure for you if you will yield yourself in obedience through your possessions to God. You must be in a position to sell all that you have to have the kingdom. Not every Christian is walking in the kingdom. Not everyone who's born again possesses the kingdom of God. Not every Christian has sold out, sold off everything to buy the kingdom. And let me say this to you, that there are many Christians who once sold all to have the kingdom, who have since accumulated many things in this life and are living in two different worlds and are living with minimal results and operating in limited authority and privilege. The Lord wants you to walk in 100% privilege, power and authority. But to have that, you must have something to negotiate with. You negotiate with what you possess. Your interests, your hobbies, your possessions, they all belong to God. You need to stop looking at what you possess in terms of earthly values. But you must look at them through the eyes of a steward. Since you were bought with the blood of Jesus, all that you have, all that you spend your life on is significant and the Lord watches it to see if it will be brought under His Lordship, surrendered to Him for the purposes of the gospel. Let me give you a scripture in case you're wondering if I'm preaching heresy to you this morning. Mark chapter 10, verse 28 through 30 then Peter began to say to Jesus, Look, we've left everything and have followed you. And he was basically asking, what do we get? Now, if Jesus were religious like most people think, he would have smacked Peter on the back of the head and said, Oh, you're so selfish. Don't you know that we're about humanitarianism? We're about poverty. We're about giving everything away to everyone else. We have nothing and everyone has everything else. But Jesus isn't about that. And that's not what he did to Peter. And Matthew, you might be amazed at what he said to Peter. Peter said, we've left everything. Wives, sons, daughters, children. All the things that you and I use as excuses to not obey God. May I be so bold as to cross the line and to get in your front door this morning. Can I step on your toes a little bit? Everything you use as an excuse why you can't do what God's told you to do. But I have a wife. But I have a husband. But I've got children. Oh, I've got responsibility. I've got a boss. Yes, and your boss is Lord over Jesus in many, many times in your life. The things you love, the things you're interested in are Lord over Jesus instead of Jesus being Lord over the things you possess. And this is exactly why we don't have more of the power and privilege of His kingdom manifest in our life. You must sell all to buy the pearl of great price. Are you listening to me? <clears throat> so Peter says, we've left everything to follow you. What do we get? And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that has left 
house, brothers, sisters, father, mother, or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels, but he shall receive one hundredfold now in this life. Houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, lands. He didn't say wives. There's some preachers that believe he said wives. And they tend to collect them. But he said children's and lands with persecutions. The devil will chase you. He will persecute you. But remember, you've got the kingdom. Bring it on, devil. Come on if you think you can handle the blood of Jesus. If you think you can handle the power and anointing of God. The problem is lots of Christians sing boastful songs on Sunday about their authority over the devil. Then they go out on Monday, get their behind kicked, and their head handed to them by the enemy because they're not walking in the kingdom of God. You can sing it, but it doesn't mean you possess it. Are you listening to me this morning? God's called you to possess it, and you don't have to be big. You can be little fear, not little flock. Your father desires to give you the kingdom. You may live in a shack and got a broken down car with three good wheels and bold flat tires. But those few possessions can purchase the pearl that Paul had in his life. They can purchase the same pearl a millionaire receives by laying his possessions at the feet of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. It's not how much you have in this world. It's what you do with it and what you do with the things that have your heart. And so Peter was concerned. We've left everything. Are we going to ever see any of it again? Are we going to get any of it back? And Jesus said, oh, yes, you will. I have no intention of stripping you. I have no intention of plunging you into poverty. I have no intention of causing you to go through life destitute and in need. I intend to bless you. I intend to add to you. But you can't go out in the world and scrape for it like everyone else. You need to serve me and put me first and let me add it to you. Let me give it to you. I have been a full-time pastor now for... 42 going on 43 years. And in the very beginning of my ministry, I sold everything, including my wife. I gave everything and left everything, home, lands, everything they said, I did. All of it. Now, I didn't have much. You can say, well, you were a skinny kid that didn't have anything. But what I had meant everything to me. Left my job left my desired career in life, abandoned my dreams, left everything for Jesus and the gospel. I bought into my assurance program. I don't have an insurance program that's going to take care of me in, in uh, retirement. I have an assurance program that I bought into over 40 years ago. I banked on the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. And I don't have to worry. God's going to take care and has been taking care. I have received a hundredfold houses, lands. I've gone wherever God wanted me to go. I've eaten whatever I wanted to eat. When I needed money, I had it to spend. Hallelujah. 
I've had the things of this world come into my hand and pass out of my hand. And that river will continue to flow because I have bought the kingdom. Somebody say praise the Lord. Come on, give the Lord some praise this morning. Let me tell you, let me assure you today that in my heart and my mind, I feel like this. If the Lord did it for me, that means He'll do it for anybody. Because if He'll do it for a self-centered young man like me, then God's word about the pearl of great price is for you, little flock, and for any one of us. Just taste and see. Try Him. God is good. You'll find out. Put Him first. Be willing to suffer a little bit. Be willing to say no to self a little bit. If God gives you a door, pass through it. If it means you've got to shut three other doors that you've been praying and waiting for, for God to open up for you and the Lord opens another door and says, I want you to do this. But God, you know I... The Lord says, just put me first. That's selling all. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. Selling all. In the service of the gospel opens the storehouse of blessings in the kingdom of God. If you want to know why Peter could stand at the gate beautiful in front of the lame man and say, Such as I have, give I unto you in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. He got the ability to do that when he left his nets, boat, and business, and wife, and followed Jesus. He sowed to get that pearl of great price. He was reaching into that pearl of great price and giving that man new legs. And the Lord did it. Peter didn't do it. The Lord did it. But that's how God wants to move through you and I. Make no mistake about it. This isn't you fasting 21 days to get a healing ministry. This isn't you... Uh, um, running around doing good works. It's not how many hours you pray or any of those other good things. It's when it comes down to it, what are the things God is saying in your life that you need to do to obey the Lord? And that is what will get you the pearl of great price. Can you say amen? amen. So now let me share with you the differences between these two parables. Because there is a difference. In the field of treasure, the man is surprised by the treasure. He's not a treasure hunter. He wasn't seeking the treasure. He stumbled upon the treasure by accident. But in the pearl of great price, the man was seeking pearls. So the field of treasure speaks of the non-religious sinner who finds Jesus without looking for him. You say, I've never heard of such a thing. Well, your pastor is one of those. I found Jesus without looking for him. I was not a seeker. I could care less. Ten minutes before I was born again and my name was written in the Lamb's book of life, I couldn't give a rat's behind about God. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? I wasn't seeking God, could care less, didn't believe he existed, had no interest, no desire. Ten minutes later, I was born again. <coughs> and I don't have time to go into the story of how it happened, but let me tell you, Jesus saved sinners. And so the, the field of treasures about the non-religious person who stumbles accidentally upon Jesus. But that's, you know, that's some people in this world. 
The world is filled with many people who consider themselves Christians and, and may even be born again who are pearl merchants. They are seeking for the value of truth. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? The pearl of great price speaks to the religious believer in search of the source of truth. He's looking for the head of the river. Do you understand what I'm saying? Let me talk for a moment about the value of pearls. We don't realize what a pearl meant in Jesus' day because pearls today don't have the value that they did then. But in antiquity, in the days of Jesus Christ, there was no greater item or commodity on the face of the earth in value than a pearl. More than gold, more than precious stones, the pearl was sought throughout the Roman Empire and throughout the world as the most valuable and most precious item that a person could have. So it was very common that there were people who would sail the world over called pearl merchants, who would sail the Mediterranean, the Persian Gulf, the Red Sea, even move up eventually into the British Isles in search of pearls. And so when Jesus said there was a, a merchant seeking for pearls, those people understood this is somebody who is looking for value, looking for treasure. Diamonds, gems, what the Bible refers to as precious stones, must undergo cutting and polishing in order to bring their value out. But the pearl, the pearl comes forth from the womb of the oyster, perfectly formed, needing not a single process, no cutting, no polishing. It is formed with pain in the heart of the oyster, but it comes forth complete and perfect. The pearl, once it is produced, has its value, whatever it is. So he finds the perfect pearl that is above all of the other pearls. This was what Jesus used as an analogy for the kingdom of God because he wants you to understand that as a potential diamond or a ruby or some precious stone, we often, as believers, think of how God takes that. Have you ever seen a picture of a diamond or ruby before it's cut? It just looks like any other rock. Usually you would find, you wouldn't think it had any value. And it really only has what we call potential value. And its value can be ruined if you cut it wrong. So we think of ourselves as, as uh, stones that the Lord is cutting and polishing to bring forth value out of our life. But I want you to understand this morning that Jesus never, ever wanted you and I to think that it's our process of perfection, the cutting, the trials, the polishing that produces the kingdom of God. No, the kingdom of God is a pearl that comes perfect and fully developed. It doesn't require any cutting or polishing. It doesn't require processing. When Jesus gives you the kingdom, you could be a rough, a diamond in the rough. You could be a ruby that's got all kinds of uh, um, flaws, a diamond with inclusions, uncut, unpolished. But he gives you the fully developed kingdom 
in all of its value just as much as he gives the old believer who's gone through all the cutting and he's shining and uh, has all of the, the value developed. You see, those trials that you and I go through that develop us, they develop our obedience and help us to shine for Jesus, but they are not developing the kingdom. The kingdom is a gift to you. It is a gift that God gives to you when you are born again to use his authority to bind and to loose and to walk in triumph and victory over the devil and over his kingdom. Somebody say praise the Lord. So Jesus chose the pearl for a number of reasons. Many Christians today are pearl merchants. They believe in Jesus. They may be born again. They believe in him, but they are still searching. So Jesus is speaking through this parable to the Christian who, has, who knows that the pearls are where the value is. And they're looking for the pearls of truth. And there are many of them that are sailing from church to church, sailing from book to book, sailing from one experience to the next. And let me say, because you may think that the next thing I'm going to say is, that there's something wrong with that. No. It's a good thing to be a pearl merchant. For the Bible says the man that found the pearl of great price was in search of fine pearls. So Jesus has a message to people who are in search of fine pearls. And it's a good thing because that's the only way you find the kingdom. If you are a Christian... It's too late for you to find the kingdom like I found the kingdom. I found the kingdom because I was in total darkness and the Lord just let me, just it fell upon me. Hallelujah. It's not going to happen for those that are saved and seeking. You are the pearl merchant. This is your parable. And there are many people that were raised with religion and raised in church they're not going to have the experience that people like I had, but it doesn't mean they're not going to get the kingdom or not going to get the same level and, and far more. It's just you have to understand that because you know of the value of the pearls, you have to search for the one of great price. You are looking for the kingdom of God. And there are many Christians that are looking for the church that's comfortable for them. They're looking for the set of beliefs and doctrines that accommodate their history. They're looking for the worship experience that is familiar to them. But none of those flawed pearls have dominion over the devil. You can find the denomination, the church, the comfort, the worship style, and all of those things that suit you as a Christian. But it's not going to furnish you one ounce of power over Satan. There's no dominion over the devil in any church, in any denomination, in any worship style or any of the other things that Christians seek for as pearl merchants going from experience to experience. There's only one pearl of great price and it is the kingdom of God. Somebody say amen. amen. So his message to the pearl merchant is don't settle, sell out. Many pearl merchants simply settle for a collection of pearls rather than not stopping until they found the pearl of great price, the kingdom of God. Don't settle for familiarity of a denomination, comfort of a worship style, or the fake pearls of Christian works. 
Jesus wants to give you the kingdom. That is the only thing in this world that is worthy of you selling everything to have it. So, let me just sum this up. None of those pearls possess the power over Satan that only comes from the privilege and power of Jesus' kingdom. When you are sold out to the kingdom of God, when you have sold everything to have his authority over the enemy, and what does that mean? That means that everything the Lord gives you, whether at one time in your life it's a little bit, or whether the Lord multiplies it, it's a lot. It doesn't matter. Whatever you have, you need to stop seeing it as your possession and start seeing it as what you have to trade in the kingdom of God. That's what you have to sell out to the kingdom. Start looking at your possessions differently because the possessions, and the possessions include not only the pillow you lay your head on, the bed you sleep in, the house you own, but your hobbies, your interests, your time, and everything else. Those possessions, look at them differently because they have great value in the kingdom of God. God sees them as more important than money. He sees them as the things that potentially could have your heart. And he doesn't criticize you for that. He understands that the things in this world have our heart for a reason. We are of this world. We were born and fit for this world. God's the one who made creation that way. And so he wants you and I to take those things that are important to us and lay them at Jesus' feet and say, Lord, I'll serve you through these things and I'll serve you without these things. It's up to you. You lead me, you guide me, you tell me what you want me to do. You've just bought the pearl of great price. And with this thought, I close. Those who have bought the pearl of great price buy not only authority over the devil, they buy the privilege of Jesus who said the works that I do shall you do and greater because I go to the Father. You, my friend, can be the next person standing at the gate beautiful and saying, silver and gold have I none, such as I have give I thee. And people will marvel and say, she just sits on the back row of church, comes every two weeks. Well, I, I'm going too far. People will say, so where did she get that authority? Where did she get that power? We think in terms of impressing people, but God looks upon the heart. He knows who pays the price. It's between you and Jesus. Your pastor may never know the price you pay. Your loved ones may never know the price you pay. To obey and do what God tells you to do. But when you do, you purchase for yourself the right to have the kingdom, to use the kingdom, to break the seal of the devil over other people's lives. You want to win souls? You want to lead people to Jesus? You have to have the authority and power to break the devil's claim over people's lives. You can't break Satan's dominion if you don't have the authority and power of the kingdom to do it. He will laugh in your face. But I don't care who you are, when you've paid the price and walk in that authority, the devil will flee from you. He cannot resist you. He cannot stand against you. And all it takes 
is for you, my born-again friend, to lay your possessions at Jesus' feet and say, I found it. It's the kingdom. It's not belonging to this church or that church. It's belonging to the kingdom. Close your Bible stand with me this morning.